0: Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 18 of the iProgress podcast. I'm your host Dean and as always I'm joined by Craig. Today we're going to be looking at our top five tips to succeed in your PhD viva. Now this is something that we're really passionate about. I think there's a, a rhetoric on both social media and also within communities of PhD students that the viva is one of the hardest, the most difficult, stress-provoking activities within your PhD, and you know, for some students that is going to be the case. It is your time to defend your work. It's the time that you stand or sit in front of fellow academics and scholars who are deemed to be experts in your field, and you're tasked with almost persuading them about the value and the unique contributions of knowledge that your work has made over the last three, four, maybe eight years of study. And as such, it's perfectly understandable to see why this can be such a stress-provoking situation. However, it doesn't have to be. You've probably heard this time and time again, but when people say it should be more of a conversation, it should be more of a discussion with your peers, it's very difficult to actually put into words what that means. So today we're offering you our top five tips for how to overcome these stresses and how to succeed within your PhD viva defense. So Craig, do you want to kick us off with your first tip for the day?
1: Yeah, I think that one thing that a lot of people don't understand is what what the point of the Viber actually is. Mm. Um, it's not an exam. That's the first thing to really kind of take into account. It's not an exam. It's not a test. It's not a, a way of you proving that you know what everything is in your field of study. It's a defense. Um, so when you think about what a defense of your thesis looks like, it's you having a conversation, with someone else and talking them through what you've done and why you've done it, answering questions about why you've done what you've done. Um, But really, the key thing is for you to be able to go in there and to defend the decisions that you've made. What I do with my students is I go through this throughout the entirety of their project, thinking through what are they doing? And I'll ask them for every key decision that they make. Why are you doing that? What's the alternative? Why is that the best option for you in this situation and if they can start to answer those questions right from the start of the PhD process they're building the skills and they're building the confidence in talking about the decisions that they've made and talking about why that's the right decision so for me that's the key thing that this is not an exam it's not a test it's a defense of what you've done for the previous three four five plus years
0: yeah I I really do buy into that in fact I think that Whenever I get a new PhD student, I make sure that they get themselves a new journal, a new notebook, and we are going to be having these discussions throughout the entire process. So as they decide which scale to use, as they decide which population to use, as they decide which sampling method to use, I typically don't really care which direction they go. What I ask them as they are being developed into experts within this field is to say, why are you making that choice? And if they can persuade me at that time that the reason they're making the choice is because it's the best direction at that given time, using those specific resources, then I'm more than happy to buy into that story. I'm more than happy to sign that off and say, okay, let's carry on. I think just sending off what you've just said in terms of it's not an exam, exams suggest that there's gonna be a right or wrong answer. And actually in terms of your Viva process and in terms of any research that we do, Yes, there's going to be more optimum answers, but sometimes those answers don't take into consideration the tools and the resources that we have. Okay, so of course it'd be great to do a 1,000 plus sample on a really niche and in-depth topic, but we oftentimes don't have the resources and especially the time to actually conduct such an in-depth piece of research, especially within our PhD scope where we have to do maybe four or five individual studies within that time. And as such, it might be that yes, that would be gold standard, but we've taken this different approach based on the materials and the resources that we have. In terms of the second tip, and hopefully this builds on that first tip, is that it's really useful to appreciate that by this point, by the time that you're going into your Viva, you want to be the expert in that room on your particular niche now you don't have to be the expert on the topic as a whole just your particular corner of that literature is where you need to develop and exhume expertise you need to know your research inside and out so as craig was saying why did you make those particular choices why did you make those decisions what did your findings mean in relation to the methods that we used to derive those findings? How did you interpret those findings and what do those findings mean in terms of application? Because if you can have that story straight in your mind, then you're going to be talking in your viva. Note that I say talking because as as it, as it is, it's, it's a discussion. You're going to be talking in your viva with more conviction, with more clarity. You're gonna be able to convey your story and the meaning of that story to your examiners, um, or let's call them reviewers, you know, just to to decrease the the anxiety caused by the word examiners. You're gonna be able to persuade them of your argument. And if you can start getting people on board throughout the entire Viver experience, that's gonna put you in really good stead to hammer home right at the end about your unique contributions of knowledge, the importance of your work, and also what you anticipate you're going to be using that work for in the future. Because I think that's sometimes things that students don't fully think about. They just think about getting to the end of their PhD. But what a reviewer or an examiner really wants to see is how that work has application and also implications for your future career.
1: Yeah, exactly. And think about, what, fundamentally, what is the function of the vibrates to check that you've done the work. Um, Ultimately, if you've got to the point of having a viva, the quality of the work is already there. If it's not, then your supervisor is is who is to answer for that. So fundamentally, the point of the viva is to check that you've done the work. And the best way that you can do that is to show that you've got a command of the literature, a command of the decisions that have been made in that project. And you can say exactly how that data fit with a broader body of uh, literature, a broader body of evidence, how it can contribute to policy decisions and things like that. Now, when you're doing this, you need to think about how you're presenting. So thinking about the way that you present your findings, the way that you talk about your project. It might be that your reviewer, if we're going to be using that phrase, um, has a preference for going through the thesis chapter by chapter. They might even uh, just ask you for a very high level um, overview of what your thesis is looks like so when i have my viva for example the first question that i got asked was tell me about your thesis and that was a very broad question Same. um it's quite a common question yeah it's quite a common question because i think a lot of uh phd examiners phd reviewers often don't really know how to start the viva so that's a nice way of getting themselves into the into the meeting but also it gets the candidate the person who's defending that thesis talking right from the beginning. So that would be a uh, an easy way of doing that. So think about how you can practice answering that kind of question. Um, I know a lot of people do things like mock vivas where they'll have their second supervisor or another PhD candidate. Just ask them questions about what they've done and why they've done it. Um, it's a really effective way of practicing the skills that you'll need in the viber, just making sure that you're comfortable talking about what you've done.
0: Yeah, I, I think that i i definitely echo that but also as somebody who has both chaired vivas and examined reviewed vivas it can almost be a very awkward situation for, for the academic as well so you're you're faced with somebody that you've uh, most likely never met before you very rarely come in contact with their work if if they haven't published that much and you're, we're now conducting, in the UK at least, lots of our vivas online still, so you have that remote aspect, so you don't really get a, a taste for the person or the university if you've never been there before. And so it can be a daunting experience for the, for the reviewers and also the chair. And so actually having that very broad opening question not only allows everybody to settle in, it gives the student a chance to start speaking, you know, and kind of lubricate the wheels and and start engaging in that conversation. But also it gives the reviewers a chance to say, okay, so actually this student is fully aware of, of the work that they've done. They've started this story. And now I can start to delve in, ask more questions on that story chapter by chapter. And that's a really good way to facilitate these, these discussions, so do watch out for that question. Building on that element of practice, however, is our fourth tip, which is to start anticipating some of the potential questions and challenges that you might be facing within your viva. Because if you can start anticipating the questions that you're going to be asked, that will allow you to better prepare and hopefully reduce those anxieties because you almost know what's coming. I often reflect back to um, some work I was doing in my postdoc where we were testing a a novel drug. And because it was a, an experimental study with a novel drug and we was using pain patients, we actually had to go to an ethics committee meeting and be questioned. And the entire research team was there. We had to be questioned about why we were doing certain things. Was A-ethical? Are there better ways which we can do this? And... We were actually fully prepared for that meeting. We anticipated that they would ask lots of questions about the drug, but also there was a few um, elements that we'd included in our methodologies and our procedures, which were very novel and so because they were novel we anticipated that the reviewers on the ethics committee wouldn't really know that much about them and as such they became very obvious sources for us to start preparing questions and answers for and you might reflect on this and see how you can use and adapt that methodology for your viva so did you do something really novel did you do something a little bit off the wall which the majority of the people haven't done before did you use a new analysis technique did you recruit from a very niche demographic because all of these elements of your dissertation your your thesis act as anchor points which reviewers and examiners might hone in on because if they have any doubt or uncertainty, they're going to want to quash that straight away. They're going to want to ask questions about that. So do be prepared, but use use your brains to almost identify parts of your thesis which you're most likely going to be asked about. Do you have a result which is quite weak? Are you making claims which the general population might seem to be quite outward facing or, or might be quite, you know... Um, large based on the actual findings that you have. If that's the case, try and edit that out before you, you you submit. But if you do leave that in, anticipate questions based on that and be prepared to defend your answers, because that is that is that that is the defence.
1: Yeah, I guess just to add to that, is thinking about what you can do throughout the entirety of your PhD to make sure that you are prepared for that. You can anticipate some of the questions. Hmm. Um, and if you think about what one of the criteria for a PhD is, one of the criteria think about what one of the criteria are for passing your PhD it's about making a contribution to the field so think about publishing ahead of time publishing as you go through your PhD now for one your examiner then can't say that you're not making a contribution because you can say well here are my papers here are my contributions Mm -hmm. Um, but secondly when you publish you go through the process of peer review Um, peer review can be as we've already discussed in a couple of uh, podcasts can be quite brutal in terms of highlighting even the smallest limitations in your work limitations that you might not even agree with but what it does is it gets you into the habit of thinking about what somebody external to your research team might pick up on in your project so then you can start to frame your defense around some of the limitations that have been picked up in uh in peer review. So that'll help you to prepare some of the questions that you might be asked by someone who is external. What that does as well is hopefully mean that you can stay calm and focused in your Viva, which is our fifth tip. So thinking about you being the expert in the room, the fact that this isn't an exam, it's quite easy for us to say, I think, having gone through it, that it's quite a nice experience. Um, But I, I really enjoyed my Viva. I think I I wasn't looking forward to it when I first kind of started planning it Um, but I actually really enjoyed it it's probably the one time um, in your academic life where someone's going to have actually read your uh, your thesis Um, it's quite rare that someone will have read your entire thesis sometimes I mean hopefully your supervisor's read it sometimes that might not be the case either Um, but it will be a time where you know that someone's read your thesis because they're being paid to read your thesis to ask you questions about it to to show an interest and to be interested in that. So think about the fact that you are the expert in that room, someone has a genuine interest in your work, and this is your kind of induction into the world of academia. I think if you can go in with that mindset of knowing what your strengths are, what your limitations are, the fact that this is gonna be hopefully an enjoyable uh, meeting, then you can go in there with a relatively clear mind, having been prepared um, to absolutely smash that meeting and to, uh, to show that you are now a member of the academy.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And, and, and obviously we appreciate that there are going to be certain individuals who have a propensity to have those levels of anxiety, you know, and discomfort during <laughs> situations like this. But that's where this anticipation comes in. That's where this need to practice and practice and practice comes in if you're a a year one student or year two student just starting your third year perhaps now is the time for you to be having those frank conversations with your supervisor and saying look this is something that i'm feel quite weak at can we make sure that we pencil into our diaries maybe one two three different occasions where we can sit down and go through this process where you can almost faux examine me and start to really dig deep in my questioning. Because if you have that experience, then you stop extrapolating in your mind what the worst case scenario could be, because you've already gone through that and you've already gained some experience that hopefully, is a lot more pleasant than you initially anticipated. And and like Craig was saying, please do draw on your PhD colleagues and form those communities because that can ultimately be one of the best experience to help facilitate your Viva as a whole. So in summary, the, the Viva, yes, we appreciate it as being a very significant milestone in your academic career, but we firmly believe that with the right mindset and the right levels of preparation, You will succeed on this and it will be a pleasant experience. So just to summarize our top tips, understand the purpose of the Viva. Remember, it's not an exam. It's a discussion about your work. Know the topic inside and out. You are the expert in the room. Start to practice. Start to understand why your materials map onto your results, how you've interpreted your results and what your results mean. If you need to, and we would always suggest doing this, call on your supervisors, your collaborators, your peers, to practice your presentation skills and practice how you're going to be responding within that viva to help facilitate this, anticipate some of the questions which might be coming up. And we'll put out a video in the next couple of weeks on some of our top 10 questions which are likely to come up during a Viva. But most of all, stay calm, you've got this. As always, we've been Dean and Craig for My Progress, and we hope to see you in the next podcast. As always, we really hope that you found some value in today's content and have really enjoyed the video. If you have, make sure to share it with peers. It really does go a long way. And whilst you're there, make sure to leave a like on the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment down below to let us know what you thought of today's video. Do you have any insights about the subject or is there any future content that you would like to see? And finally, make sure to catch our podcast, which is released every Friday on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.